Welcome to Psyched for Business, helping business leaders understand and apply cutting-edge business psychology principles in the workplace. Hi, and welcome to the Psyched for Business podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm your host, Richard Anderson. In this episode, I'm joined by Jim Bloomfield, founder at Blue Jam Consulting. Jim is a sales leadership development and assessment expert who specializes in helping companies identify, attract, and develop sales professionals. In this episode, Jim and I talk about our own experiences in working in business-to-business sales. He talks through the key behaviors required to be successful in any sales role, and also how anybody, even those who have never done sales before, can apply these behaviors to be successful in sales, but also any client-facing role. Thanks again for listening. So Jim Bloomfield, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jim. I'm really excited to have you on, Jim. Loads and loads to talk about, a subject I'm very, very interested in, so how you retain and maximize your sales team's performance. But before we get into the detail of that, I'd be really interested to learn how you got into this whole world of sales consultancy. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's probably a game of two halves, really. So uh, first started off in uh, sales. So graduated from university, had no idea what I wanted to do with a career. I was living with uh, a couple of guys who had been at university with one of whom was a year above me. So he was a, he was a year out in the workplace and he had a sales role and he came home every night in a nice shiny Audi A3 and yeah. seemed to have lots of money to splash <laughs> around. So I thought, oh, okay, let's get get myself a sales role. So yeah. um, that's how I started. And I joined a psychometric test publisher on the sales side of their business as they were just sort of scaling up their sales team yeah. and professionalizing their sales force. Uh, and I spent four or five years uh, with them. Um, to be honest, I wasn't very good at sales. It wasn't the right time for me and I wasn't confident in selling and I think that's something that is is really key to successful performance that I've come to realize um you know now that I'm a bit more mature in my career yeah. um so uh, what what ended up happening was I, I I moved across into the consultancy delivery team really enjoyed that learned a lot, lot about psychometric testing and uh, assessment and development um and I suppose what I've done really is to, to marry the two together in, in, in terms of the, the acuity tool that we've developed now. Fantastic. It's interesting that you, you touched on the confidence element that, that, that maybe took you away from sales in the first instance. I mean, I have to say, although I've remained in sales pretty much exclusively in my career, there's definitely been times and there still are times where I have a lack of confidence. If I'm, if I'm mm. completely honest, I think that's probably quite a common thing. Um, do you find that a lot of people in sales suffer from from that 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 challenge of, of confidence yeah i think i think you can and i think you're right that that can happen at different times in your career and can be down to a huge range of different factors you know some of them may be work related some of them some of them may not be so uh you know i guess there's no sort of one particular remedy for that i think if i reflect back on my early career my lack of confidence came from the fact that i was you know, 20 years old, going out and talking to huge businesses and very yeah. senior people in those businesses about psychometric testing, which actually I knew nothing about apart yeah, from yeah. having had some training from from the business um, okay. that I joined. 
So I didn't feel comfortable in the subject. I didn't really understand how psychometric tests sort of fitted into the wider HR and L&D agenda. Um, And so I wasn't really able to add any value to those conversations. I mean, fortunately, I was working for the market leader, so I could pick up the phone and say, hi, I'm from X. And uh, generally, you know, the client would take the call and generally they'd be quite happy to meet meet me, at least the first time anyway. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, And uh, so, you know, there was a case, it was a case of, you know, I was, I I did okay, but I, I think that was despite, my capability rather than because of my capability okay. at that time in my career. Okay. No, it's, it, it, it is really interesting. And and when I cast my mind back to when I started my sales career in my early 20s or, or whenever it was, it was probably around that time where I thought, well, I could quite easily leave this. This is this is too mm-hmm. much. And I think that was, that. For, for, I mean, my personal experience, it was all about um, targets and you know, needing to hit targets. Now, obviously, there's an expectation of any salesperson that they're going to have a target in place, but it was that level of pressure. And I think for me, if I'm honest, it was probably due to a lack of experience and expectation or, or what was expected of me. And I have to be honest, you know, I saw a lot of people who would come and go in sales roles. Mm. I managed to stick it out. And as time went by, I became more confident and did better in the role. But I did see a lot of people come into the profession and, and then leave i mean do you find any common themes with the, the reasons that people leave sales because i mean the the attrition in sales is still pretty high yeah i i think um you know my 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 personal experience is well actually i'm going to say something that that you know feel free to challenge me on this but i don't think yeah. that sales is actually that complicated when you break down the the behaviors yeah, yeah. of a good salesperson I think that there's a, certainly in the UK there's a there's a sort of stigma associated with sales and people be, feel very uncomfortable being seen as a salesperson. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe because of that there's a sort of there's a lot of people have that have that discomfort and and therefore shy away from from perhaps some of the things that you need to do consistently well to be effective as a salesperson. So you know again thinking about my early sales career i had targets they were in terms of activity targets pretty easy um to achieve i think um, when i when i joined um my first organization they were quite an immature sort of sales function um and at the time they didn't they were just building up a um uh an office-based uh sales force they didn't have I don't think they had a field sales team at all. So I joined and and essentially I was going through a database ringing clients and my target was to have 20 conversations a day, which is not very many at all. No, But I failed to achieve that target probably more often than I managed to because I would always find other things to do like, you know, update the database or, you know, do some research or, you know, X, Y, and Z. But actually... I could I could have easily done that. I could have easily had twenty conversations with clients. As I say, people were quite happy to talk to me if I got you know if I managed to get through to to the right person. And and you know, being market leader, that was relatively easy to do. Yeah. I mean, if I think about my my business now, you know, we're a small business, and if I pick up the phone to uh, you know a potential prospect and say I'm from Blue Jam, they'll say, well, they won't take the call in the first place, but they won't know who I am when I when I say who I'm calling from. Yeah. Um, so it's quite different. Um, 
and now I've forgotten your question, so <laughs> you might want to answer it again. No, no, it again. That, that, no, that, that, that was perfect, Jim. I think um, just again, just to, just to go back to another um, another example of mine, and you just you just mentioned the fact that you were targeted against a certain amount of calls that you had to to do every day, or twenty conversations. I think you said that you had to mm. have um, every day, and and you mentioned that you know you didn't get you didn't get through them, and I've had very very similar. Um, experiences in my career because I started out in we used to call it telesales. I mean, it's SDR yeah. is the is the. I mean, these things change so often. I kind of keep up with them to, to to be honest. But um, SDR and the idea was that I would put on meetings for the field sales staff. But it was almost if I was a, you know if I was perceived to be a salesperson, I almost felt like I had to apologize for my own existence. And it's yeah. that connotation about being a salesperson. And then they started with all these fancy job titles, you're not sales, you're business development or your business consultant or see yourself as a consultant or whatever that might be. And um, the, the reality was for me, it was still very, very difficult to, to make those phone calls. And I used to hide quite a bit behind email prospecting. Um, just, to, just to take a slightly different direction here, do you st- I mean, in terms of sales prospecting, how do you see or what do you see as the best method to do that now? Or is there a mixture or... <laughs> Um, I'm not sure I'm the best person to, to ask, to be honest. I mean, the way I, the way I view it is there are a number of behaviours which, from our own kind of re- research and the model that we use, in, you, you know, are, are supportive of success in sales. Now, I, I think as a salesperson, you need to be authentic and do what feels comfortable. So if you're sending emails when that isn't perhaps your natural communication method or you're trying to make calls when that isn't your natural communication method it isn't you know that that will come across to a prospect and i think um that's the bigger issue is just finding out finding out what is your you know kind of preferred style and um you know thinking about the behaviors that do determine success what does that look like for you as an individual because the way that i exhibit those behaviors might look very different to the way that you exhibit those behaviors. So there's no point in me copying you. Yeah. Um, I need to do it authentically. And ultimately it's all about results, isn't it? It doesn't really matter how you get there as long as you do get there. Yeah. And it's been quite interesting over the course of the, the, the pandemic, seeing all this um, sort of research and um, best practice coming across in terms of, you know, how um, salespeople should reach out to, um, prospects and the different um, channels and communication methods they should use and there's you know depending on which piece of research you pick up there's different stats about what's most effective and how salespeople should do things but again I you know personally I think that you should you should just do that in a, in a way that that's that's authentic really and 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 whatever you feel comfortable with yeah no absolutely and and just to go back to because you you had a um, a webinar that I that I watched with interest with a, a friend of mine Stu Taylor from Lego fairly recently and you you talked at length about um, coaching sales mm. coaching so um, a, again I think what, maybe one of the reasons that people um, leave sales roles is is maybe lack of coaching and even looking back at my career I've I've attended sales courses that might last a day or two but but I think it's it's accepted uh that a lot of sales leaders don't coach or not enough sales leaders coach their their teams what do you think the reasons are for that jim yeah and i and i think um i quoted a stat on that webinar which i've now forgotten but i think it was something like sales leaders spend less than 10 percent of their time 
coaching and mentoring their their teams. Yeah. Um, I, you know, crazy. I, it, yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, my, my background is, you know, having talked about the sales side, on the consultancy side, I spent 15 years working in leadership development. Um, yeah. And there's a huge amount of investment that organizations make in developing leaders and assessing their suitability to lead um, teams. And obviously with that comes a lot of, um, often comes a lot of coaching and, and, and mentoring as well. Um, so for me that, you know, the same thing should be should be applied to a sales uh, yeah. organization. You know what's good for a leader in any other part of the business should just be a, 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 a should be as good for a sales leader. Yeah. Um, they're no different, really. Absolutely, and just because you're you're an excellent individual contributor as a salesperson, as many people who get promoted into those roles are, doesn't of necessity mean that you're going to be a great leader, does it? And especially you don't know what you don't know. Ultimately, if you've never managed people before, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, and and it's the same for again. It's it's kind of the same for anyone in in any part of a business. But but other parts of the business tend not to promote you just because of your technical expertise. Yeah. They they try to understand your people management, people leadership style. Whereas in sales, often that's very much secondary to this is our top sales performer, and therefore they should be the leader. We need to we need to sort of um, mirror that person and replicate that person. And this is where I come back to well, actually just because that person's really great at selling in that way let what you need to understand is what are the under underlying behaviors that are driving their success and how can other people think about the way in which they might demonstrate those behaviors in their own authentic way as opposed to just copying that guy because if it's not natural it would they won't sustain it so obviously you've mentioned behaviours there, Jim. I know that you've done extensive work around this and it formulates your acuity model, but I'd be interested to learn, and I know that the listeners would be interested to learn what it is that you've researched and what you've learned about salespeople's behaviours and what behaviours they should be exhibiting to, to make them successful in the role. Yeah, so if I, if I take a step back, the um, the reason for doing um, the, the, the research really was that um, we were getting asked to develop um, recruitment processes and, and assessments for um, sales people. And given our, our background that I referenced earlier in, in leadership assessment and development, the focus there is very much on behaviors and the behaviors of a leader. So, you know, we, we try to apply the same approach to to sales. And, and we, we um, did a, a, a literature review of of studies from psychology and 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 looking at um uh sales uh studies as well which amounted to i think around about twenty thousand plus salespeople in total once we kind of brought together all of that analysis to to try and understand you know what are the key behaviors that drive success in a in a sort of complex b2b sales role so those sales that are um uh high value uh, you know, maybe technically complex, um, involve selling to multiple stakeholders on the client yeah. side, uh, and, and therefore are, are likely to be high value and take place over a long period of time. So there's an element of that kind of stakeholder management and trying to coalesce people around a solution. For that type of, of sale, um, we built this this model called Acuity, and we now have, um, thanks to our work with you, Richard, that, that um, online psychometric assessment of those behaviours. Um, and that's something that um, we can use in, in both a, a recruitment and a development co- context to help people to to develop their sales capabilities. 
Brilliant, Jim, and, and and you've been kind enough to allow me to sit the uh, the acuity tool. And when I went through it, and I was looking through the report and kind of dissecting um, my profile, if you like, it it did it did really ring true. And I think, and Stu said the same to you when when you had the conversation on the webinar. Um, I learned things about myself that when I went through it, I thought, well, actually, hang on, that that does resonate, that does make sense. But previously. You do live in in blissful ignorance. I mean, I have some idea of certain things that I do well, um, but there are, of, of course, and you know, I've, I've seen that on the report. There are things that I don't do so well that I need mm. to Im- improve on. And I think what it said to me was that if I hadn't gone through this, would I have ever known it? Because now I I, I run a business. I am a salesperson, but I'm not the best in the world. I haven't had a huge amount of coaching, and I think that's what 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 the tool really did. So um, I did find it very interesting. Now. Given that we are um, on an audio podcast here and, and we're not able to unfortunately share screens or, or, or show people, w- would you be able to, to talk through how the how the model is comprised, Jim? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll keep it to, to a high level, but um, yeah. yeah, first of all, glad to hear that you found it, it useful, and that's exactly our intent is to help people to sort of better understand themselves and what they can do to to develop their capabilities as a salesperson. The acuity model effectively has three broad dimensions that are measured, and I'll just talk about the model at that kind of dimension level for the purpose of the, the, the podcast. So the first one is around personal drive. So this is about the individual's underlying motivation to to sell and to sell consistently. Um, it's about their goal focus. So do they understand what they're trying to achieve and do, have they mapped out the steps in order to get there? To, to sort of maximize their chances of success. Yeah. Uh, and it's also about self-belief, which is uh, about being positive and optimistic about what you ca- can influence yeah. in the sales process. It's also about being resilient when you're faced with setbacks as well. So coming back all the way to the start of the conversation, I would say you know my early self was very low on the personal drive factors that I've just yeah. outlined. Yeah. Um, I wasn't confident in myself. I wasn't confident in my ability to you know, influence the sales cycle. And I was very much a reactive passenger within those conversations with clients. Yeah. The next uh, dimension is, is sales focus. So we call this the what piece. It's about understanding the, the client and the market in which the client operates. So it's about gathering knowledge and being knowledgeable. It's about then using that knowledge to educate the client and to provide insight. So you're starting to position yourself as a trusted advisor. Yeah. Uh, and then it's using that status as a trusted advisor then to influence and drive uh, the sale forward. So you're moving from reactive to proactive um, yes. in that sales cycle. Uh, and then the third dimension is is more about the, the sort of interpersonal uh, engagement with stakeholders in, in, the, in the sale. It's about perspective taking, so reading your audience, you know, bearing in mind if it's a complex so you'll be having multiple meetings with multiple individuals, that requires you to essentially read the room. Yeah. Um, then to adapt your own style to, to, to get the most out of each of those interactions, you know, a conversation with someone in procurement versus someone, um, you know, in marketing is likely to look quite different and yes. may require you to adapt your style. Uh, and then the other element within that is around being connected in the cl- within the client organization. So knowing the influences and, um, you know, the, the, the influences upon your stakeholders in, mm-hmm. the, in the client organization. But it's also about being connected within your own 
business so that you can bring the the, the sort of whole service and, and firm capability to bear on that opportunity. So um, that would sort of encompass elements of, of cross-selling and, and, and upselling and things like that. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, going. You know, you've you've talked through it, and 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 having gone through it myself, it's a really, really comprehensive model, and it it does it does really resonate. And I would imagine, Jim. I know that we talked about um, salespeople uh, working in a complex B two B environment. I would imagine that that would be used within any any sales role in that environment. It would be useful for for yeah. We talked about the titles before, but SDRs, BDMs, or AEs, as they're called now. Is that is that a fair comment? Yeah, absolutely. So the so the model is is really about the behaviours required in that type of sale yeah. sales environment. So it can work across multiple sectors. It can also work across different job roles within the sales function, um, within the selling organisation as well. So the key thing there would be to dissect for an individual who's an SDR as opposed to someone who's a an account manager or relationship manager. You know what? Again, what do these behaviours? look like for you what should they look like in this role yeah. and and what are you going to do differently going forwards having had this insight yeah and 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 typically when when people will go through this um assessment the psychometric will will the results be is it the results mainly for their their their, their team leader the sales leader is it for themselves or how, how does that work uh well it's a bit of both really so there's a personal report that that you can give to the individual who completes the questionnaire um, and that will show them their own profile, highlight where they have strengths and and perhaps development needs um, against the benchmark. So all of the results are are benchmarked against people who have been through the the questionnaire before. So we can start to show individuals and organisations how their sales capability matches to to, um, others who who have done done the questionnaire. Um, So the personal report will give individuals then development tips and activities related to their own pro- profile. That there's a manager report that, that managers and coaches can use to um, develop individuals, bearing in mind that sales leaders tend not to spend much time doing that. This is a this is a tool that will enable them to facilitate those conversations perhaps a bit more easily. And then we can do group um, sort of cohort analysis as well. So we can start to say to a sales organization, this is how your sales organization or perhaps um, break that down by by region or job type within the sales organization but we can do analysis on how they then benchmark as an organization compared to other organizations who have used acuity as well i think that's really interesting as well because presumably if you're looking at um, group um, strengths or group weaknesses or development areas you can then put in interventions across across the group itself or the department or the team or whatever that might be yeah, I mean, we originally developed the tool because we wanted to give people something that they could access and own themselves and, and start to make changes themselves without being reliant on their organization or their manager to provide training and support. But equally, when you um, scale up and, and undertake the, the the sort of organizational level analysis, then then obviously the findings of where we're strong and where we may have development needs as a cohort become very powerful in terms of helping organizations to determine what sort of uh, support and development activities they can put in place going forward. So, yeah, it, it enables both sides, really, I think, to to, yeah. um, to support sales development within an organization. Yeah, and, and for a 
participant as well. It's, it's, it's just nice to have a report. It's nice to have information about yourself, to learn more about yourself. Obviously, um, until I've, I, I, I did this job, if you like, and did, did evolve assess. I hadn't really sat that many psychometrics, but, but this particular psychometric, because it's about the career that I've always had, it's really interesting. It's nice for me to know. And it's because ultimately now I know the areas in which I need to improve. Yeah. And we, you know, essentially we developed the tool because we couldn't see anything else out there in the market. Yep. So, so for us, it's a, it's a sort of, uh, it's an opportunity to apply a level of, of sort of rigor and analysis that we're used to seeing in the leadership space that, that I don't think has existed previously in the sales space. And it, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure why, because sales is such yeah. a key part of any organization. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So Jim, one of the areas that you know that I'm interested and passionate about is small business. Now I find through many people that I speak to who start their own businesses, they've never had any sales experience. They're, they've been an expert uh, in their area. They've now become a consultant. They've started off their own business as an example. And now they're faced with the daunting prospect of becoming a salesperson. Everybody has to sell, especially when they start a new business, regardless of, of what your history or your background has been. But what advice would you give to those people um, based on what we talked about through the behaviors? What advice would you give to those people who find the prospect of sales daunting? My first piece of advice would be to read a book um, by Daniel Pink, which is called To Sell is Human. Uh, and he's a New York Times journalist who's who's become a, a published author and a bit of a guru in the space um and he his the the book is all about the fact that if you're a, a working professional then you are selling a lot of the time whether it's selling to a client um or you're working internally selling an idea to your boss uh so his strap line is we're all in sales yeah. now so to some degree or or another all of us will have had experience of selling and even if we if even if we're not working you know we're selling ideas or trying to influence our friends family children whatever so we've yeah. all got a broad base of experience now i think for me coming back to that idea that that sales is a bit of a dirty word in certain um environments um i think there's a bit a, lo a lot of people i might i might just be um transposing my own experience here but there's a bit of a dis disconnect between what we see as selling as being something different and other and scary uh, and actually um, the behaviors that from our own research we know drive good sales performance. Yeah. So those um, dimensions that I talked to you through earlier, actually they're just, they're just good client-facing, client management ways of behaving. Yes. And actually if you apply those behaviors – they will lead to good sales outcomes. You don't need to do anything different, but um, often it's just that mental shift that's required in order to um, kind of embrace those behaviors, see them as good things, see them as positive, and yeah. then think about how you can apply them more rather than sort of shy away from them in a sales context. Yeah, love it. I'll have to read that book as well. I've uh, I've, made, I've made a note there. Brilliant. I, I should have read it clearly, but <laughs> but but haven't yet. Okay, well, Jim, I've I've really enjoyed this discussion as I always do whenever we whenever we chat. Um, it's been nice to record it and put it up as a podcast. Hopefully, people have found it interesting. Um, I'm very keen for you to uh, let the listeners know how they can get in touch with you if they're interested in exploring the Acuity tool. 
Great. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Um, yeah, so the easiest way is probably via LinkedIn. So if you look me up, Jim Bloomfield at Blue Jam, um, you'll find me on there. Uh, our website is bluejam.co.uk uh, or you can email me jim.bloomfield at bluejam.co.uk. Brilliant. Thanks, Jim. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Good to speak, Richard. Thanks for listening to Psych for Business. For show notes, resources, and more, visit evolveassess.com. <laughs>